everyone. Welcome to the Buyer-Centric Revenue Model Podcast. This is going to be a mishmash of audio content, LinkedIn content, guest podcasts, interviews, debates, and live Q&A. We'll primarily discuss six topics that reflect the Buyer-Centric Revenue Model. One, sales development versus marketing. Two, the sales assembly line or the AE-CSM split in other subdivisions versus full sales or full sales cycle sales, aka AE-CSM combined, no handoffs, no prospecting. Three, quota versus holistic goals and metrics. Four, commission versus full salary plus bonus. Five, sales versus the option of self-service to the extent desired and possible. Six, the predictable revenue model versus the buyer-centric revenue model. If you haven't already, I highly demand that you sign up for the buyer-centric revenue model community to continue the discussion and help implement the model. Join the movement of forward-thinking peers liberating and modernizing B2B marketing and sales. Achieve a better growth playbook, a competitive advantage, and more productive and fulfilling careers. Enjoy insights, data, best practices, resources, and jobs. Plus, the live Q&A on Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Head over to buyercentricrevenue.com to sign up. If you want to learn more about the model and these topics, check out my book, The Death of the SDR and the Birth of the Buyer-Centric Revenue Model. It's available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audiobook. And now to this episode. All right, so today I want to talk about the 10 reasons why people, especially sales, still drink the prospecting Kool-Aid, which leads to the artificial valuation of and malinvestment in sales development, because it's sales development's job to do prospecting full-time. And I think it's very important to note that the department that advocates for prospecting is sales. Even though prospecting is a marketing activity, which we've talked about before, it was sales that historically did it part-time. Many in sales actually still do it part-time or forced to do it part-time. And aspiring sellers are forced to do it full-time via sales development. And it's sales leaders, you know, not marketing, which pretty much exclusively beats the prospecting drum and paves the way for sales development. Roughly 50% of sales development teams report into sales, the other into marketing, which I think is more honest. We'll talk about that another time. And so all the advocates of prospecting come either really from, from sales or from sales development backgrounds. So Aaron Ross, for example, was a sales leader at Salesforce. So tragically, prospecting is very harmful to sales, yet it's the most entrenched by it. So there are many factors that influence sales leaders in particular, but also others to be pro prospecting. And I want to run through that. And there's 10 key reasons, I think, um, although there's probably others. The first reason that I think is the probably the biggest one is the intellectual influence from the advocates of prospecting. These are the thought leaders from back in the day that have influenced many of today's sales leaders. And they convince sales leaders rightly that the key to predictable revenue and pipeline is marketing. 
However, they tell them that the key marketing method or the best type of marketing method is prospecting, which is absolutely false. But sales leaders are not marketers and they're often unsuspecting about marketing and do not care how marketing is done. They just want leads and they typically don't care about lead quality, which is a huge mistake and harms them. And so when the prospecting peddlers knock on their door and promise them that, hey, this is you know, the proactive and fast way to, to generate leads and crush your revenue quota and get your commission, like sales leaders buy that. And that is why the peddlers of prospecting pitch sales and not marketing because marketing knows better. The second reason is that sales does not fully recognize the shift that has happened in buyer preferences and in modern marketing where companies should be marketing-led, not sales-led. It's like not the 1980s anymore. Buyers can get all that information from marketing and from their peers who marketing is also influencing. We talked about that in another video, like the big change that has happened. They also might not recognize like what modern marketing is. And we cover that in a prior video where it's like, they might just assume that marketing is just like a few blogs, SEO and a website. And that's not it at all. That's like a tiny, tiny fraction Or they might assume that marketing is like reactive, waiting for folks to knock on the door instead of also creating demand and generating demand, which isn't true. Marketing does both demand capture and creating demand, top of funnel, bottom funnel, or that marketing is insufficient to woo buyers at big companies, which isn't true. Marketing, like proper marketing can attracts all people, regardless of company size doesn't like buyer preferences don't change based on how many coworkers they have, or they might assume that marketing, like every marketing touch point has to result in someone requesting to speak to sales, which is what spam attempts to do, which is like, Hey, you want to speak to sales? You want to speak to sales? You want to speak to sales? And you get yes, no, maybe, and not now when you try to spam people. And oftentimes people don't compare sales development to marketing. Like they don't separate their marketing funnel and look at the leads generated from prospecting or sales development. And then from marketing to fully analyze the harm. The third reason is that sales development is safely in the status quo, at least for now. So while it is very well known that sales development is struggling and many people are questioning its future and how it will evolve, few people call for it to be sunset, at least not publicly. You know, obviously the predictable revenue model protects them because the predictable revenue model popularized and codified sales development and fuels and preserves it and gives it a semblance of necessity and respectability. There's a whole SDR industrial complex, like sales development leaders, tech vendors, agencies, influencers, who all have a vested interest in its continuation. And there's a big SDR support community with a lot of cheerleading. And the fastest way to rise in the sales development ranks and management leadership is to cheerlead your SDRs because the role is so miserable. You know, and also the the demand for sales development is high, which seems validating, even though it does not reflect its true value. If you apply that to the financial world, you think about any bubble or artificial valuation, we're kind of seeing some of that happening right now where the air is coming out of the tech bubble, just like the air had come out of the housing bubble not long ago. And that led to then the financial crisis or the tech bubble in the 90s. Yeah. um, There's also the sense of like, well, sales development does generate leads and revenue which also seems validating, but that's not the whole ROI picture. You have to 
compare sales development to marketing and the opportunity cost of not doing proper marketing. And so relative to marketing, sales development ROI is negative. The fourth one or the fourth key reason, it is like assume that the SDR role is a training ground for sales, but it's actually a burial ground. Like only 22% of SDRs turned AEs or get promoted to sales actually perform and hit their revenue quota attainment. And so the real reason why they, why it's a required stepping stone to sales oftentimes is because they, otherwise they'd have trouble filling the role. Like if, if an entry-level person had an option just to, be, just to be an entry-level seller, which you can and should do, people wouldn't want to go through the whole sales development tour of duty. And so that sort of future promotion to sales is dangled like a carrot. That is why 50% of SDR teams report into sales, even though it's a marketing activity. And why I think it's more honest that the other 50% report into marketing. The fifth reason is that, and this is very important and why I talk about quota and commission in the book, but I just gave, I just gave it away. But yeah, sales leaders are often made desperate by quota and commission. So they pressure marketing to do pressure marketing, which is what spam is, you know, to generate lousy leads at all costs right now, regardless of quality or profitability, efficiency or effectiveness, ROI, whatever. The sixth reason is that companies still prioritize and overweight sales and or sales development instead of marketing. This is similar to the other point where they really haven't recognized the shift that's happened in buyer preferences and technology and marketing know-how and modern marketing where companies should be marketing led. And so They'll hire way too many sellers and SDRs and too few marketers. They'll invest too much in sales and or sales development and too little in marketing. And so they don't see that marketing precedes sales chronologically and, um, and hierarchically that sales success is sizably determined by a sufficient amount of quality leads. In other words, marketing pipeline, that marketing is the cause of growth you know, marketing is the cause and sales is the effect. Marketing produces the leads and sales helps those folks to buy. And so really that the key to predictable pipeline revenue nowadays is proper non-spam marketing, not prospecting. So the seventh reason is sales leaders attempt to enhance their employability by forcing their sellers, not SDRs, but their sellers to do prospecting. And they will say to unsuspecting CEOs, basically something like, my sales team doesn't need marketing. We'll feed ourselves with prospecting. And these sellers, or these sales leaders will basically tout their sellers who do prospecting as like proactive, hungry hustlers with grit who you don't have to pay 50% of their salary unless they hit this short-term, you know, unrealistic quota that most will miss most of the time, including me. So these sales leaders will try to assume marketing's responsibilities in the worst way through prospecting and are willing to sacrifice their sales team to, to do that. And so the result is that their sales team eats itself and that the sales leader probably lasts something like 17 months. Their tenure for a VP of sales is like 17 months and like really decreasing. In a startup, it's like 11 months or something like that. And so CEOs don't really realize what's going on, but they just see like these eager, sacrificial VP of sales lambs. And so they're just like, okay, yeah. Now, number eight is sales leaders who believe that the mark of a true seller is not how competent 
and productive they are at sales and how productive they are at sales and in selling, but in how much prospecting or marketing spam that they can do. So they value spam drudgery over sales and they will smear and shame sellers that are properly supported by marketing and who get to do their actual sales job as like reactive order takers. So like imagine a marketing leader who decried, you know, their marketing team as reactive order takers because they had a a product team, you know, the software engineers who properly did their job and built a good product and insisted that the marketers do products job and build a product with the worst kind of coding from like the 1990s. I don't know what they used to do back then in coding like uh, JavaScript. Anyway, um, but and then have 50% of their salary withheld pending some sort of short-term unrealistic coding quota. Sales is not sales and marketing. Like a seller is not a seller and a marketer. Like you don't see marketing doing sales. You don't see IT doing operations or HR doing finance. If you want someone to generate and qualify leads, then what you want is a marketer. You know, a seller can do proper marketing, but it's in addition to marketing doing their actual job and it's proper marketing, not prospecting. So, and and the leads that a, a seller generates through their marketing efforts is like icing on the cake. Anyway, so number nine is sales leaders who dictate what marketing does and don't get marketing. So this is where like the head of marketing reports into the head of sales and the head of sales is calling the marketing shots. And I once encountered this at a company where that, that was the case and they brought in a new head of marketing and they had launched a a podcast. They had it uh, hosted by the head of sales and a customer champion. And I remember the, the head of sales asked the customer champion, Hey, like what advice would you have to companies trying to woo buyers and the customer champion said, stop telemarketing. And this head of sales was so bullish on telemarketing, had his whole sales team doing it. He had done it back in the day as well for this company. And then not long after, like an association that the company had sponsored, like the industry association, like came out with this article where like the buyers were fed up with telemarketing from all the vendors and that it was doing more harm than good and turning buyers off. And that article was like circulated around the company Slack. But, you know, the the head of sales was still bullish on telemarketing and then hired SDRs to do more telemarketing. And even though they had brought in this head of marketing who had done all this great stuff and like, you know, the win rate on marketing website demo requests was five times higher than the telemarketing leads with a shorter sales cycle, lower cost per acquisition, all that stuff. They just invested more resources into telemarketing. Number 10 is sales leaders who think that, well, you know, if the AE doesn't do prospecting and is properly or sales is properly supported by marketing with sufficient quality leads, then the AE role would be very limited in scope. And yes, it would. That is one reason why you have a full sales cycle sales role where you have an AE CSM combined, no handoffs, no prospecting. So a seller can do their actual full sales job and not just aspects of it or spam drudgery. Yeah. So those are the, those are the 10 reasons why I think People still drink the prospecting Kool-Aid and, and therefore, yeah, the artificial value, valuation and malinvestment in sales development. And I think the air will come out of the sales development bubble. I think it has already to some extent. And so don't be, you know, sell short, I guess. Don't be caught holding the bag because it'd be very painful. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that one and I'll catch you guys in the next one. Buyer-centric revenue model over and out.